1: You need, indeed.
0: I'm throw it. Slam! This bugs for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. You don't get no better than that, man. Cook throws the deep ball and it's wide open inside the 30.
1: Love it makes a move. Stretch the field to the wide side. Here's Burden, the elusive freshman. Stays on his feet. He will take it to the end zone. What a drive for Missouri.
0: This is the cast Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to Mazzotcast. Colin, we're going to have to update that... Uh theme song.
1: I didn't notice there's a, a yeah a Georgia Bulldog in our uh, in our intro there, Brennan.
0: Yeah, I, I noticed that too. I'm your host, uh, Brennan Anthony, joining me as always is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony.
1: What's up, dum-dums?
0: Yeah, Dominique Lovett, no longer with the team, best receiver last year, and he thought, hey, I'm good enough, I don't have to be on this team, playing for this guy. Yep, <laughs> yep. So uh, I
1: imagine that was a lot. How that decision was made?
0: <laughs> you know, we've been absent for a long time, Colin. It's been a long time since we had a podcast, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, Brian. Do you want to you want to sort of give the listeners an update why we have been even more derelict in our duties than than and regular. Brian mm-hmm. anything. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. New father.
0: Yeah. it's
1: Not without complication.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much the short version, <laughs> the longer version. And I won't go into too many too, too much detail because I could. The boys were born three months early. The twins, little Drew and Locke. Is that what we've... I can't remember the boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: that's right. That's what you named
0: them. <laughs> so anyway, the three months premature. Chase and
1: Daniel, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think
0: the, uh... that's right. Little Chase and Daniel. Anyway... Uh, they were born three months premature, which I didn't say weeks, I didn't say days, I said months. That basically means they spent the entire third trimester in a box in the MU, Women and Children's Hospital. And one of the Kudos boys. Kudos to those folks. Yep, that's right. Yeah, tip of the cap. They've been great. But uh, one of the boys came home, little Chase, came home after um, a three-month stay, came home on his due date, which was November 14th. And the other boy has working on ten months in the NICU, which is a long time. And if any of you guys are parents, you'll know that is a damn long time to do anything in a hospital, much less have your firstborn son in there. And so he's had uh, uh, just complications from being so premature, and has had you know underdeveloped lungs. And so he's got a tracheostomy; had to have surgery for that. It's been pretty stressful on uh, Team podcast but uh, he's doing great. We're wanting to get him home soon. And uh, Colin just met him; just met. My boy, after almost ten months today,
1: and that has nothing to do with his health. It he just felt it was healthier for the children not to be around me. Yeah. which I can understand. Why you know,
0: I've always advocated for Colin's own children to not be around him, so certainly don't <laughs> want mine to be near him. <laughs> yeah,
1: sure, sure. But it only makes it makes perfect sense.
0: <laughs> and then on top of all of that, uh, the guest studios flooded uh, back in March, and had to have those completely. Yeah rebuilt and they're done now just pulled the plastic off everything and we're back up in gear and uh little chase is home and little daniel's coming soon
1: it's been so long since we podcast podcast still a thing Brendan? i just feel like i'm out of the loop do people still do podcasts (laughs) is there some sort of vr version of this now where people are uh sort of virtually ejaculated while they listen to something i mean the kids are into lots of the tiktoks and and the snapchats and the whatnot you know i just
0: there's, it turns out, Colin, there's far too many podcasts. As, um, and, <laughs> yeah, that's and, for sure. And if we're going to get rid of some, I think this is a good place to start. But uh, I know, I certainly know, well, an AI bot could do a better job than us. You're right about that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't do video where we jerk jerk people off, um, but maybe we should. I mean, good for ratings, I would think.
1: Well, that's um, I find that uh, like uh, one of the, my frustrations with podcasts is. So much of it is done YouTube now that there are huge laugh break jokes in the show that I can't see the joke. (laughs) Um, if you, I, I know, maybe we can plug it in here because it's all over the Instagram, but there's a one podcast in particular where they, where the two podcasters make fun of one another's mother. But part of the joke is the guy like turns to the camera with his eyes crossed and it is very funny. But if you're listening to that via podcast, it is, um, a lot of it is lost. I don't know if we should be doing video podcasts. I don't think anybody wants to see
0: us. No, they certainly don't. We batted that idea around for a while. And a part of the reason we didn't was that we are both so stupid that the technological hurdles were far too great for us. I mean, it's amazing that we can get our voices over the internet, much less our picture. But yeah, I don't know. I bet there's a, a select fan base who'd like to see YouTube or whatever, but I think there's a good part of our listener group who listens in the car or blah, blah, blah. But Regardless of how the, the pod works, things have changed since we started this thing in 2014. I think most notably, Colin, is that there are so many more podcasts than there used to be that when we would contact people to be our guest, they used to take us way more seriously than they should have. You know, like people would be like, oh, yeah. he's, this Missouri show wants to interview me. I better go on because they're a program and I want to be a part of this program that's in the SEC. And then they realize, oh. No, every fan base has a bunch of idiots that do podcasts, and uh, you're no different.
1: Yeah, in our, in our defense, most of them didn't. I mean, we yeah. were we were at uh, standard bears for Mizzou, and really many podcasts in general. We were
0: early adopters. I mean, we
1: had yeah, Tony Kornheiser came on this this
0: show, <laughs> we, Booker McFarlane like, a, Booker a number McFarlane of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, um, yeah, I saw Blake Topmire and Paul Feinbaum the other day. I was like, oh, long time as our guest. Guest. Yep. There you go. Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, what was this? what was data nerd from? Uh, uh, Rock M, uh, Bill Conley.
0: Bill Conley was on, no, yeah. Now
1: he's he's Mister ESPN now. I mean,
0: yeah. Uh, well, I think part of that was not just that people didn't know we were as uh, small potatoes as we were, but they also uh, we've been around so long that a few of them have to have a career afterwards. You know, come sure, up. Sure. So anyway, we're about eight minutes into the show. And we haven't talked a lick about Mizzou sports, which is ostensibly what this show is about. So, where is do you want to <laughs> That's it ostensibly for a reason um, Yeah Colin I, I think the way we ought to start Is way nobody would have expected After a long delay Which is Mizzou baseball <laughs> I It's think, hot
1: Brendan Catch the fever
0: It is hot In that uh, it's the only place Where there's been actual news I mean you look at all the Mizzou sports sites And there's it's pretty dead out there But Mizzou baseball did fire Steve Beezer Their seven year coach after I think zero college world series appearances and I don't know, perennial bottom feeder in the sec conference. Colin, I don't know how you felt about the firing of Steve Beezer, but I've tried to be a Mizzou baseball fan for a long time. I remember the glory days of having Max Scherzer at the mound and, you know, hosting regionals and super regionals. And I wish it would be fun if Mizzou was a program that was good again, but they have struggled more than any other program since we've joined this conference. And, I used to hate Steve Beezer. I just thought, God, he can't do anything right. This team sucks. And more and more, I was convinced by reading things and just by observations of the program thinking like, "Ah, maybe Beezer's not the guy, but he is not working with much. I mean, this is a team, and I think most famously, we find that every other baseball program in the SEC, they charter flights for their guys to get two games. And Mizzou is the last program in this conference and probably one of the last in the country that you're going to get on a bus and you're going to travel around the country if you're on the Mizzou baseball team. And if you're a good ball player, maybe you don't want to come here for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like do you think that affects recruiting?
0: Well, that, and I just, I think it's embarrassing that half of our field has turf and half has grass because apparently we can't afford to get turf throughout the whole field over, I don't know, a span of like six years now. It's just clear that the, Athletic department has invested next to nothing in this baseball program. And I think a lot of people will say that fire Beezer, hire whoever you want. And they did make a new um, hire in Carrick Jackson from Memphis. They're up against it, right? Because they're not investing in this program. And as long as Missouri is like at the bottom of the expenditure list in this conference, you can't expect them to work with nothing at a terrible stadium with terrible resources. It's not just a coach. I mean, it does almost matter who the coach is at this point. And part of me wonders, and I haven't let you talk much, which is, I know, unusual, but Desiree Reed-Francois when she was hired, she put a big aspirational goal out there. She said she wanted to bring championships, national championships to Missouri. Well, damn, you know, that's a a lot to ask for, for a program that I think has two in its history, last being in 1965 and being indoor track and field. So not a huge track record of success here to say you're going to bring championships, But I've always thought, man, why not baseball? Like, it's going to be next to impossible to invest enough and to lure enough people here to win a football national championship. Maybe a basketball one because programs outside of the realm of the power five win basketball stuff a lot. But a program like baseball.
1: One player can be very transcendent for a basketball team. You know, there's too many football players for one player to have that big impact. But, I mean, truly, you get a, you know, LeBron James comes in place at your school. You can you can do some crazy things, and you know one or two guys can just completely transform a program. That's not that's, but that's almost exclusive to basketball.
0: And basketball is a big, big operation where I feel like the better strategy. If you want to come into a place and say, "Hey, I brought a national championship to this program," why not a program like baseball? I look at Ole Miss and Mississippi State, two schools that are not big athletic or money powerhouses, and they brought national. and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has a baseball national championship. You can do it in baseball. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to have to invest the kind of resources that you'll have to invest in football. You'll still have to put money into it. But you can put a national championship in Columbia, Missouri by investing in a smaller program and bringing it to the top level, especially in a world of NIL deals and blah, 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 if you just are willing to throw dollars at the problem and I've always felt like baseball would be ideal for that. I don't know. We're going to see because if all I they're saw. going to do is hire this new guy and expect him to do better than Steve Beezer, good luck. But I mean, if they build a new ballpark, that's not on the windiest Hill in Boone County, you know, with no parking, yeah. maybe there's a chance if they, I don't know, book a few charter flights and get those guys to not be exhausted when they show up back in Columbia after an 11 hour bus ride. Maybe that'll help well, too.
1: I'm, you know me, I'm the biggest proponent in the world of recruiting. It's all the matters of college. It's, it's it. it's all that matters, and how are you going to recruit against a school when you're going? Hey, how would you like to take a six hour bus ride over an hour flight? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like who you're recruiting against? Yeah. If they if they charter flight, you fucking lost already. Yeah. It's asinine to expect a coach to be able to recruit around that. Um, I saw that Ian Kinsler was involved in every step of the process, mm-hmm. according to Dave Matter, and that. He interviewed each of the coaching candidates himself. I, Ian Kinsler, obviously a fantastic baseball player and a Mizzou alumnus, I'm not sure if either of those things actually qualify him to be interviewing coaches, but he's certainly more qualified than me. Well, um, but it, it brings up the point that Ian Kinsler and Max Scherzer, Scherzer still playing, Kinsler who has not been very far removed from the game, both you know, cajillionaires. You know, like I feel mean, like, hey, quit having them interview coaches and have them write a fucking check.
0: Well, Colin, you know, the the long-held rumor was back when they did hire Steve Beezer was that Max Scherzer and Kinsler, they really wanted – Missouri to hire Tony Vitello, longtime assistant coach under Tim Jamison, to be Mizzou's head coach. And and the rumors were, and there were rumors, so take them for what they were, that Scherzer and Kinsler were going to dump enough money into this program that they could build an entire new ballpark for the purposes of building a new ballpark to really support this program if they hired the guy they wanted. This was in the Mac Rhodes era, and Mac Rhodes apparently told them to pound sand if these stories are to be believed. And since then,
1: it sounds like a very Mac Rhodes thing to do.
0: I'm hoping if any of these rumors are true, that the firing of Beezer and the bringing in of a new coach will maybe open the doors to guys like Scherzer. Well, maybe
1: if we're going to let limit any validity to your to your to your rumors. I mean, maybe that's why they were so interested in having Kinsler be part. of Exactly. The I mean, exactly. Like, like, hey, let's uh, let's make sure that we don't make the same mistake twice. And um, and let's make sure this guy writes some fucking checks.
0: Well, and you I know, it, have a hand on the rudder. You don't have to be a genius to be like, "Hey, this person who was an alum of the program and has a lot of money and wants to be involved—if we listen to him, uh, maybe it'll help." You know, Mac Rhodes' philosophy was, "Fuck you, uh, I'm going to Baylor," and so mm-hmm. you know that, that didn't work out. But I would love That's to what see the business baseball world successful. Was. Yeah,
1: you you have these investors who buy huge portions of a company and then want to have a say so over the way that company runs. They get they can get CEOs fired. You know, if you buy enough shares. Spend enough money, Ian Kinsler, and you can really have as much say over the program as you want (laughs) because obviously what we've been doing isn't working.
0: Well, and you see – you look at – if you watch SEC Network, you watch any of the baseball, you see some of these other programs that are successful and have active, lively baseball programs. And they've got great ballparks, and they fill them up, and there's a lot of – there's like a raucous crowd out in the left field of Mississippi State and things like that. And then you can look at like gymnastics, they have the Friday night Heights or whatever they call it. And you look at Auburn and LSU and some of these places and these gymnastics athletes, they fill up the arena as well or better than the basketball team does. I think it's pretty clear that especially in the world of television and the world of NIL, if you get a program rocking and rolling, you can turn a non-revenue sport into a revenue sport. And, What better way for Mizzou to have a little success when they've been locked out of the big deal things like football and stuff for so long than to take a program that does pretty good and make it something that people want to go to and there's buzz around. And, I mean, Mizzou Gymnastics was fantastic for the last two years. And you still look at the stands and there's hardly anybody there compared to an Auburn. It takes time. But, you know, if baseball can do that. This is a state that loves its baseball. There's, we're bookended by Major League Baseball on both sides of the state. Maybe that hurts us. I don't know. But there's a lot of people that would go, I've got Chase and Daniel now, Colin. I'd love to take them to baseball games every year, you know? And frankly, if we're going to dump money into a program, let's put a dome on the motherfucker because as long as it's not in the wind and we can, you know, we're going to play February baseball here and it's Missouri. It is not Florida. So uh, it's hard to get fans to sit on cold aluminum bleachers in February, especially when the team's not any good. Dump some money into this program. Make it something worth watching. I think the people will come.
1: I think they will too. Especially, God love Mizzou, but it's from a PR standpoint, from a um, just a, a like a, a marketing standpoint, they have done a trash job, terrible job for for at least two decades. And I say two decades because two decades is as much as I can plausibly remember. Yeah. But they've handled every PR situation as badly as you can. They have basically, as far as I can tell, no marketing budget. For their foot, their their programs, you know, the only time I've ever seen a Mizzou commercial is during a Mizzou game, in between the commercial. you know, like when they're like, "Hey, come to Mizzou, we do things this way, come and be a Tiger, roar." But I mean, there is no, there's no glitz, there is no glamour around this university, and there doesn't seem to be any emphasis in creating it. And you know, the ultimate thing that creates that is wins. But you can artificially prop some shit up. They just don't seem to have. Any understand? I don't know if it's if it's you know board of curators or just bad hires from uh, from the um, you know the head of the university standpoint or athletic directors, but Mizzou seems to do as badly at that part of this college formula as any college I know, and that's part of the reason I think Drinkwitz has been embraced, and part of the reason I think he got another contract is they look at Drinkwitz and say, here's a guy who understands at least that portion of it. Now, as a, as a coach on the field, still a lot to be proved. But he knows how to market. He knows how to talk to these kids. He knows how to, to live in this sort of modern era of Internet or whatever you want to call it. And because Mizzou, oh God, just think about like the the 2015 protest thing, which we were still – which is still the hugest black eye to everybody who's on 8chan. I just feel like you just <laughs> – anyway, the um, they handled that so fucking poorly. And then uh, they got Moon Choi, who is just a disaster as a leader, You know, just a terrible – terrible, arrogant shit heel who does not get it. And, you know, if, if I've learned anything in my professional career or watching other people's professional career, it's like the, the, the management is what really matters. I mean, people are what matters. You know, like how those management, that, that, that leadership at the top, whether that be the athletic director, whether that be the, the board of curators, whether that be the chancellor, whoever it is, has got to be a competent, invested individual. And I feel like Mac Rose is a perfect example of somebody who wasn't invested, somebody who was using Mizzou strictly as a stepping stone to a different job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think, you know, I don't, I don't know what Moon Choi's you know, angle is in this job, but every decision he makes seems to be worse for the university than better. And the decisions he makes seems to be wholly self-interested. Like mm-hmm. Mizzou is a tool to build his resume, not necessarily something he has invested in. I'll say this for Renee Francois. Ha, 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 to this point, she seems invested. You know, she's spending money, she's hiring coaches, she's making moves, and maybe she's just resume building, but she's making Mizzou better along the way. I, I cannot say the same about that Moonjoy. I certainly can't say the same about Mac Rhodes. I just feel like Mizzou, for whatever reason, the people pulling the lever at the top for quite some time have been bad at that job.
0: I think Mizzou has struggled to put athletics in a place in the overall university hierarchy, to be honest. I mean, we want them to be successful but Mizzou is, I don't know. They're not the type of program that's going to sell its soul for athletics like an LSU will or maybe an Auburn will. But at the same time, oh, they are willing to invest a heap of money in athletics at the expense of the educational system. I think they just haven't gone all in <laughs> on anything. You know what I mean? It's, they were like want to have their cake and eat it too. And they really just had a lot of folks at the top who are just – mealy mouth and can't make a really tough decision. And I agree that I do think Desiree Renee Francois Hall has for better or for worse, not been afraid to pull the trigger. She didn't fuck around with Conzo Martin. She hasn't fucked around with Steve Beezer. She may not fuck around on Eli Drinkwitz. And I think that's probably the best segue to our next segment, Colin is the football program, because while there's not a lot of super hot football talk going on right now in the middle of June, It is a year where the discussion around the football team is, one, who will the quarterback be? And on a bigger macro scale, is this the year that we make a decision as Eli Drinkwitz, the guy, or has he been selling us a bunch of smoke and mirrors for the last few years? Because he got everybody excited, real excited about his recruiting early on
1: i believe you referred to him as the Monorail salesman.
0: I I think that's what he is. I think he's a total What'd monorail What you say? Man. What I say? Monorail. What's it called? Monorail. That's right. Monorail. Monorail. <laughs> monorail. <laughs> yeah. He's he's convinced us that it worked in North Haverbrook and so it's going to work here in Columbia. <laughs> and the fact,
1: Ogdenville you mean?
0: <laughs> Ogdenville, North Haverbrook, all of them. Yeah. Um, sure. to I this going
1: to put them on the map. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and to this point all he's done is recruit well and then screen you there a bunch of six and seven seasons and absolute i mean he can't win a bowl game and he it's almost like he doesn't even want to try <laughs> you know like it the bowl thing is a, boggles my mind because we've only made these lower tier bowls and then people debate whether they mean anything or not i'm like Man, it's all sports and nothing means anything. You know what I mean? It's just games. It's sports. So like, if you're going to play the game, maybe try to win, especially for a guy like Drinkowitz where winning these crappy bowl games means having a winning record or a losing record. And then you get to this point when he's five years into his contract and you're like, well, how many winning seasons does it have? So maybe that yeah. bowl game mattered because you're counting winning seasons. I,
1: Look how forgiving Mizzou can be for a middling coach. Yeah. You know, imagine winning, just bringing in winning seasons and winning a bowl. I mean, you, you, fuck you. I mean, it's, you become Gary Pinkle in essence. Yeah. You know, Gary, you know, that's a disservice to Gary Pinkle because he.
0: He was putting you know, together was 10 win for, seasons and 12 win seasons eventually, but.
1: Well, uh, and, and. It took him a while. On, on the, on the cusp of playing for national championships a couple times. You know what I mean? Like yes. he, those are, those are heights that, you know, Drink was a long way from, but the, the other seasons him, he was have winning, winning records, sprinkling some bowl wins and. Suddenly Gary Pinkle's got a statue, you know? Yeah, and so, yeah. <laughs> um, all you got to do is just, you know, sort of get yourself over that hump. I, I've been forgiving of Drinkowitz from the standpoint of like, I understand that I was very mad about Bazelak. I was high on Bazelak and then he, he got hurt and couldn't pull play, was playing terribly. And we just kept running them out there. And I know we were screaming for Cook at that point. And now we know Cook is, the you know, is, you know, every bit as bad as Bazelak was and also got hurt. I mean, I feel like that season you're basically choosing like, would you like me to throw the clock radio in the tub with you or the toaster?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: But you know what I mean? Like it's, it's it's either way, not great. But last season was a different story. You know, you've got Cook mm-hmm. out there with a torn labrum. We find out later, Kansas State game gets injured, mm-hmm. which is if you guys don't remember, pretty early on in the season.
0: Yep.
1: And uh, and we just keep running them out there despite Sam Horn being on the bench, despite uh, Jack Abraham being on the bench, despite Tyler Macon, and like the, I just feel like. Yeah, maybe none of those guys, you know, maybe, maybe Horn was too too uh, early, too unseasoned. And maybe Jack Abraham wasn't going to set the world on fire. And maybe Macon wasn't any better than Cook. But Cook wasn't playing well enough for any of them not to get an opportunity.
0: Well, that's that's what and, we battled all year long when we said, where is Sam Horn? Is that people are like, why are you going to put everything on this untested freshman who doesn't even know the playbook? Because it takes two years to learn a playbook, apparently. And we're like, well, we're not saying put everything on him. We're just saying give him a few snaps that seems reasonable. Give the guy a few fucking snaps. And Drinkwitz wouldn't even do that. And I think if Drinkwitz fails and ultimately gets fired here, we're going to look back at the times like that when everybody was telling us, <laughs> well, not everybody, when people shit on us because we say we shouldn't let the freshman play, be like, I think that was a bad move. I think maybe they should have just, I don't know, given him a few snaps because that's what a reasonable coach would do. And I don't understand Eli Drinkwitz. So far, his either his play calling or his personnel decisions. And I'm running out of things that I do understand what Eli Drinkwitz does or things that I'm confident that he does well because guess what? Recruiting is sucking right now. So the one thing we all agreed that he was doing great, not in 2024, man. We don't, we better work well with the kids we got now because the, that doesn't seem to be much in the pipeline right now. And so,
1: well, at some point, you know, I think what Drinkwitz is is a good salesman and he was selling monorail salesman
0: as a matter of fact
1: yeah well and he's a good salesman he's selling this program to kids kids are listening but now they've got a sample size and they're like so these big-time recruits are like hey drinkwood says he's going to do all these things it sounds great but now they've got a sample to look at and be like well you say all this stuff but you haven't done any of it mm-hmm. you know so i you know it, it, i think it probably makes recruiting harder uh, it should it, certainly if you're and maybe the, even the kids are not skeptical. I mean, they have parents who have lived and conceivably have a brain in their head. They're going to go, wait a second, let's let's look up Mizzou's record for the last three years before we go ahead and sign that letter. And then they go, hey, you know, <laughs> he says a lot of cool stuff, but uh, not a lot here.
0: <laughs> well, and if they're old, I don't know, older than one year old, they will know that a guy like Sam Horn comes here and just rides the fucking pine. You know, no matter how big of an opening there is for him to play. He won't play. And I don't think that's a helpful thing for those guys either because they don't have to be very old to see what Drinkwitz is doing or more likely not doing with the guys he does recruit. I mean, in a world where you're not going to have guys for four years, what are we doing here? So, I mean, uh, yes, I think what I'm getting to, I think the end of this thesis for me is this is absolutely the make or break year for Eli Drinkwitz. Some people may not agree with that, but I think you cannot have another six win, seven win season and expect to be the coach here in my mind anymore. I'm sick of him. You know, I, I'm off well, the train. Yeah, they, and he just keeps putting his fucking this, foot in his mouth on top of everything else yeah. and doesn't have the wins to back it up.
1: And all of it is fodder for the people you're recruiting against, too. I mean, you don't think a coach is going to be like, hey, young whippersnapper, yeah, he told Sam Horn that he could play right, you know, and then he ran some fucking you know, Brady Toughheart out there with mm-hmm. all his grit. Because yeah. he had a lot of grit, Brandon. you got to give him that. Yeah. Tons of grit.
0: And Colin, this is and, a, In this time, it you know even if you do get them here, if you don't play them, you're going to get guys like Love it who are like, look, I've been really good, and you're throwing all this NIL money to Luther Burden who doesn't have the numbers I have. I'm going to talk to I'm going to talk to the programs at Brockway, Ogdenville, North Haverbrook. Maybe they got something for me, you know?
1: Well, and that's what I'm ultimately alluding to is you're going to. It's all fodder, you know. Like, hey, you're a great quarterback. Well, no guarantees Mizzou's going to throw you out there. You know, they they threw a tough heart out there over a fucking Sam Horn. I you know what Sam Horn's never going to play that, that, that last year. We, you know there's no there's no re, uh, way back machine, so we'll never know what could have been. But I know this: if Brady Cook is anywhere near the starting position um, this season, I'm out immediately. Yeah, you know, before the first snap of the football, I'm done. I, he's not good enough. And um, if a, if a novice like me can can really definitively see it, then you know, a fucking football coach making millions of dollars better be able to.
0: Yeah, and then you know, there's other positions like running back, where like, what are, what are we doing this year? You know, we've got guys, we've got Pete, we've got Cox, and after Tyler Beatty was gone, I I don't know if he knows what to do with the running back position, Colin. I don't know if the guy knows how to call an offense, and thankfully he's got an offensive coordinator now, and I think that's to take some heat off of him. But all the things that a coach is supposed to do, I've lost or am losing faith in him, and. I, We have guys that were good recruits who are on the team now, and this is the year they have to make it. Frankly, I thought last year should have been the year, and they just petered along and underperformed because we wanted to play an injured, mediocre quarterback inexplicably forever. I am going into this season ready to pounce, (laughs) and I don't know if everybody's like me, but (sighs) – the SEC's hard, man. If we don't get an eight-win season, we'll cool my jets. But that's a lot to ask for a team that hasn't seen eight wins in a very long time.
1: Well, like I said, I am still on the bandwagon.
0: He's got some
1: some some good recruits, and I'm 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 excited to see them finally play. But like I said, if if we at least get even a fucking whiff of Brady Cook. Because they got that Garcia kid now, and by all accounts, he, you know, is a shiny toy. You know, he had suitors beyond Mizzou. He's his road has been a little um crooked to get to uh Mizzou, but, you know, has all the tools, quote unquote. And so, you know, maybe it's not Horn, maybe it's Garcia, but it better not be Cook. Because I've seen what that looks like. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't want it.
0: I think for now I am high on Horn just because he was highly he was a clear high recruit from a football powerhouse area and has all the tools it appears to be a good quarterback. He may not be, but we just haven't been able to see any of it for no reason. He should have be he should have cut his teeth last year, at the very least. It's I've always said it, it is it was coaching malpractice that they didn't let him cut his teeth at all. Like in the bowl game, nothing. That was just horrible coaching. I know. And so Well then
1: like letting Jack Abraham play, who has no connection to this program before last year, and will have no connection to it ever again. So his snaps mean nothing. Yeah. They, the, zero sum to this program. Meanwhile, you could have gotten Sam Horn a little seasoning for this season. I, I, like I said, I, you don't yeah. have to talk to me long for me to agree with you about some of the strange decisions that Coach Drinkwood has made. But I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm allowing him to cut his teeth as a new coach. Now this is year four, so that fucking argument getting pretty thin. Yeah. And I'm going to allow him to get these four stars finally on the field. But I don't care that he got a new contract last year. I think this year's make or break. And I think Rene Francois probably feels the same because it's all just buyouts. That's right.
0: Yeah. That's why I said it's, when he got the new contract. People are like, hey, you got a new contract. you ain't going anywhere. And I'm like, no. And that's not how contracts work these days. All a new contract no. means is that when you get fired, your buyout's bigger. It doesn't mean that you're going to stick around longer. doesn't mean that. doesn't mean that anywhere. doesn't mean it here. So,
1: And the people who write the checks to pay those huge salaries are oftentimes the people telling you that they need to be fired. Mm-hmm. And that even though it's going to be really expensive to get rid of them, it's not as expensive as losing a booster who writes the million-dollar checks. Yeah. Because you were like, fuck it, we love our coach, fuck you, Booster. Like, that's not how college football works.
0: Before we wrap up football, Colin, I want to say that uh, there were a little bit of news over the summer. I mean, there were SEC media days. I don't know if you saw Drinkowitz got a little heat from Twitter, basically, when he said that, you know, he was kind of criticizing NIL and the state of college sports right now and saying that, you know, kids are coming in with NIL deals their freshman year and they're making more money than his brother-in-law. Oh, who's I
1: mean, a- he doesn't like the free market capital system that we've created here in America? <laughs>
0: He said they're Well, he's, he said they're making more money than his brother-in-law, who's a pediatrician and saves lives. But he, he, what, I think where people got a little hot under the collar, were like, man, how much are you making? Six million dollars a year? How many lives are you saving, asshole? I mean, before you criticize these kids making money from NIL deals, maybe, are you taking a pay cut? You know, you don't save any fucking yeah, lives. Yeah, Tom
1: drink a It's called the free market. <laughs> the, market will, the market will decide what you're worth. And if your brother's a pediatrician and they decided he's only worth this amount of money and that a football players worth more sorry that's what the market dictates
0: yeah i guess he you know? de- hates capitalism uh, but <laughs>
1: yeah you know fuck. that's why I, lo- I love all these staunch capitalism loving old crotchety white dudes making millions of dollars until you give it to a black kid who plays football and then suddenly the fucking free market man that sucks <laughs> what a jobbing that is like well, they're getting a free education brendan
0: yeah i know it's worth 60 grand yeah, his comments were taken out of context from a much longer statement that I will admit was a lot more less damning. Well, it was just a little bit more um nuanced than Nuance. just you know that was a guy who popped out a single quote on Twitter and you know, people jump at that shit before they know what the fuck's going on. But I will say this about Drinkwitz and, and he's got a history of doing this. When you start talking about your brother in law as a doctor and saving lives, making more making less money than an NIL kid. You're opening the door for people to trash on you, and he's done a lot of trash talking, and he just hasn't won enough to ever back it up, and he doesn't seem to be turning off the trash talk faucet.
1: Well, and sorry, drink. I know you live in a different wage bracket than 99% of the people who attend your games, but you know, using a doctor as an example of someone who's you know taking having a rough go of it is probably a bad example. It reminds <laughs> me of I, I, I'm a big golf fan, I watch a lot of golf, and. I always listen to the announcers talking about like, man, these guys, the fourth day in you know, a fourth round of 18 holes of golf and just, man, they're just whipped. They just wore it out. They're just wore like, slick. And I just like, Do you realize there's people that, that pack concrete forms for a living or are listening to your show right now? Like how fucking out of touch are you? And you're telling this, these people like there's a guy watching this golf right now who puts on roofs for a living and you're telling him how, just more slick these golfers are.
0: Yeah. And I tough. just want
1: to, I'm just like, how out of touch the fuck are you? And that's like drink with me. like, Oh my poor doctor brother-in-law. Like <laughs> guys, maybe talk a little less about that stuff and maybe a little more about just football.
0: Drink has a knack for uh, getting under people's skin. And it, you know, I would be, I would love it more than anybody if he did that kind of shit and then just kicked our ass at the end of the day. But he, all he does is play weird, bizarre, frustrating, frustrating, mediocre football. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me, Colin, that I hate about the Drinkowitz era is that the decisions he makes are so mind numbing. And I don't understand why Mizzou always has these guys who Barry Odom was the same way, who just seemed like they were doing things in spite of the fan base to like shit on the fan base. Like, why do you hate the people who watch this program? Like, what are you fucking doing? And Drinkwitz is the king of what the fuck are you doing? And if he would just, Fucking win a little bit. Just fucking win, man. But who's yeah, uh, all wins. I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens. It's coming up. I, I think the last thing we need to cover before we bitch about Sam Horn for the millionth time, I guess, is that uh, talk about the basketball program, which has been clearly the fucking highlight of the last sports year for Mizzou. I think they're <laughs> on a pace to probably not have as good of a year coming up. I mean, the biggest loss is clearly Kobe Brown, and we don't have anybody yeah who's going to replace Kobe Brown on that roster. I love the way the roster gelled. I love the mix of players that uh, Gates put together on such short notice. Uh, But without Brown as the fucking anchor for that program, Dennis Gates recently did fill a big hole for the program in um, a kid named Connor Vanover, who is, I believe, seven foot five coming from Oral Roberts and you hear a kid that big, my first thought is that they're going to be gangly and can't move. But he does have a lot of rebounds and a lot of block shots over at Oral Roberts. But, I mean, he's going to be replacing Kobe Brown. And Muhammad Diarra, who, uh, who you liked, I didn't love so much myself, but had a lot of upsides. Ronnie DeGray's gone. Some big names, some big players are gone. And Missouri needed to fill the big man spot. Most desperately, and they've done so in this Connor Vanover kid. We'll see what he can do, but I mean, if he can provide a little bit of help on the boards, that was the biggest problem with the team last year was they couldn't get any fucking rebounds. But
1: well, I think Kobe Brown, you know, he to me he is not a natural power forward. He's more of a a, a small forward or even guard at the NBA level, and so uh, the fact that Mizzou was using him so much as a as a presence in the paint was probably you know illustrated that we needed to find more size. But no, I'm excited for. I mean, there, there's no reason not to have optimism for basketball after what Dennis Gates pulled off last season. Again, Kobe Brown is going to be impossible to replace. He was fantastic last year. I was holding out hope that he'd come back. Uh, Twin Caleb told me there's no way he ended up being right. But uh, yeah, he, that's my biggest concern. And like, I think there'll be talent on this team. I think Dennis Gates is a good coach. But Kobe Brown is a huge, tr- humongous loss.
0: Yeah, and and so I mean, and frankly, if there's a little bit of a backslide after a surprising team in 2022, so be it. It's his second full year, and he's still in a honeymoon period. He's earned it, um, and give him give the guy a little time to put together a roster. College basketball and all college sports is in a state of complete flux. So maybe while the season is coming around, who knows? We may be pleasantly surprised, but m- maybe we build for. The next season. I mean, this isn't the same situation Eli Drinkwitz is in. Dennis Gates is still in the early stages of building what he wants out of that program. And so far he has built in the short time he's been here a trust factor amongst the fan base. And so it could be tough. It could be a little bit rocky, but God, look at where we were just two years ago. And I still think I here's what I say. I'll expect even without the great Kobe Brown and even with this roster turnover. Whatever happens is going to be better than almost every year that Konzo Martin put a team out there.
1: Oh, without question. I mean, I I think Dennis Gates' uh, floor is is Konzo Martin's ceiling. Yeah. Um, And so I I think that those days. I of course you know what Bryn, I said this about Drinkwitz's first year. He was the team looked so much sharper and so much better under Drinkwitz's first season than in Denver. Very very Odom. I was kind of like, hey guys look at this. Somebody who can coach. They don't look fucking completely lost in the first game. They got it all figured out. Drinkless can recruit. Man, things, you know, good times are coming. And here we are, spinning our wheels in the mud, hoping for a winning season in year four. And so, now that's probably unfair to do the skates, but I don't want to get out over my skis again and say, oh, there's the, the bad times are over. This guy's so much better than Conzo Martin. We'll never have to worry about that again. It certainly feels that way, but like I said, I felt that way about Drinkwitz too, and here we are.
0: Gates did in one year what Conzo Martin wasn't able to do ever, which was win a single fucking NCAA yeah. tournament game. You know, yeah. because right lost
1: now, then
0: so we, <laughs> we, did, we did lose to Princeton, following it up. But that we got that monkey off our back, and it had been there for a long time. And I mean, Conzo Martin, he left this program with the same number of NCAA wins at Missouri as you and I have. That's that's all I say about Conzo Martin. The that was guy like was a here. monkey
1: in our back. That was a full-grown, full-grown silverback gorilla <laughs> beating us in the back of the neck. That's that what that had become. So yeah, it's been yeah. get rid
0: of it. He ran into the bus. All that was Princeton, and uh, that was that. <laughs> yeah, sure. But but yeah, so I uh, I think everyone has very good feelings about Dennis Gage, which he's earned. And uh, I don't know, he's going to have a tough road this year, but who knows? We we we've got faith. I don't have as much faith in football, and I am curious to see what's going to happen in, in baseball because it's a new start. And I mean, this baseball hasn't you know it's our only team program where we have a fucking national title. Nineteen fifty four. Most of our listener base, I would say ninety plus percent of our listener base, was not alive when Mizzou last had a team championship. Ninety nine percent of our listener base wasn't alive, and I don't
1: think it and not anybody who's alive then knows how to use a
0: podcast of, well that's what i'm gonna say computer, our mean, parents yeah. were alive technically There were four when mizzou won that <laughs> yeah, national exactly. title uh but i wouldn't yeah. if you said brendan uh here's a gun you know, put it in your mouth and if your parents can start up a podcast and listen to it all the way through you have to blow your own brains out um i, I wouldn't be the least bit scared you know
1: yeah you'd be like hey I, i'm one if your po- parents can grab their phone independently, without help, and figure out how to turn your podcast on and listen to, it to completion. We'll give you, uh, you get shot in the face with a rifle. But if they don't, you get a million dollars. You take that better reason.
0: <laughs> That's right. Give me the gun because I'm already figuring out where I'm going to spend that million.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> you imagine mom and oh. dad working together as a team.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, first of all, they got to take their dollar twenty-five cent Walmart reading glasses and put it at the tip of their nose. And uh, <laughs> look at the screen together.
1: Well, let's just put it this way for our listeners: within the last uh, calendar year, my dad put an antenna on his house. <laughs> and for those of you who aren't familiar with an antenna, is it's how you used to pick up television twenty years ago. Well, five years ago,
0: Colin Cowboy Cody, who is younger than us, also has put That's an true. antenna on his television. So it's not exclusively for old people; it's also for very very cheap people.
1: <laughs> well i would argue that cody's an old soul in all the worst things
0: yeah <laughs> yeah and he, particularly his fondness for bush
1: and if, if you guys aren't familiar with cowboy cody you need to only go to patreon but uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. cody is uh cody is like a boomer reincarnated into a much younger man
0: yeah it's true <laughs> So, anyway, I uh, I don't even know where we were going with this, but...
1: Uh, hey, Brennan, we should bring something up on the show, because I know he's going to listen to this. Okay. Twink Caleb. Oh,
0: God. Went on a trip this weekend. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> Twink Caleb. <laughs>
1: yeah, Twin Caleb, our good friend of the show, Twin Caleb.
0: Yeah, former uh, been on a couple times occasional today. co-host, yeah.
1: Um, he went on a trip this weekend, Brennan, and got himself a tattoo.
0: He sure did. He's, yeah. he's a wild man like that.
1: Yeah, Oh my God, he, he uh, got a giant tattoo on his ass.
0: Yeah, had had you want to describe? You to describe how this came about, or what? Well, it I was? mean, I don't know. I mean,
1: maybe I'm sure. I'm hoping, tweet Caleb uh gain uh, us with his presence again, but, and maybe we'll let him tell that story. But uh, he, um, to paraphrase, he basically went on a trip, got drunk. Uh, a couple of guys he was with were getting small tattoos. He had discussed a tattoo he'd wanted for a long time. Him and his brother have a uh, strange fascination. The chili dogs don't ask. Anyway, he wanted a small chili dog tattoo on his butt, I think almost as a joke, you know, just so he could show everyone and be like, hey, I finally did it. And look at the chili dog on my ass. What he didn't expect was a chili dog the size of a fucking slice of bologna slapped around his ass, poorly drawn and poorly colored. Um, it's it's just, <laughs> barely it discernible. Worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it couldn't be worse. His, uh, his lovely wife um, is, uh, does not love it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I can only assume his mother cried. Many tears after seeing it.
0: Yeah, um, it yeah, barely looks you know, like a chili dog. Colin, at best, it's homo. <laughs> at best, it's homoerotic. At worst, it's <laughs> scatological.
1: Yeah. Well, either way, um, it's a cautionary tale. Uh, if, for, for those of you uh, going for a tattoo, you know what I mean. Do your research. Find a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't just go to the one in a dark alley somewhere in Texas while you're loaded and it's on probably it. His, take away this.
0: his brother brought up a point which I think is valuable. He decided to get an ass tattoo in Texas when he drove to Texas. So he had to ride on his sore ass back to Missouri from Texas <laughs> after getting this tattoo. There are tattoo parlors in Missouri. I'm pretty sure why he decided to do it in such a way that he had to torture his own ass. <laughs> For an well, entire It reminds life.
1: me of that movie Kingpin where the guy's like, Oh my god, I got he's got a little tattoo on his chest and he yeah. turns around with a giant tattoo on his back. Yeah. He, he didn't remember getting the tattoo. Yeah. And that's basically what Caleb's like, I knew it was bad when I woke up and my ass hurt and there was blood on my pants. He's like, Oh <laughs> Lord
0: It's not just a yeah, bad, Lord. ugly tattoo. It's also enormous. And uh I'm sure Colin <laughs> I'm sure Caleb would want us to put a picture of it up on Patreon. I'm sure that's what he'd no, want sure us it, to do. Yeah.
1: I, 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 I don't even need to ask him. I know it's <laughs> Oh, her. I won't. And my thought was, is like, if you're going to take a glass half full approach to this, waking up with a sore, bloody ass, a tattoo is probably the best case scenario in a, in a, in a scenario where you don't remember how you got to that point.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's been argued that it isn't the best, but.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I just, uh, I, I feel like the, the other way that story could go where I have a really sore, bloody ass um, is worse than the tattoo. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's uh, some people's opinion. You sure, um, <laughs> but uh, that's yeah. Uh, we'll have to have we have to have Twink Caleb back on the show now because he yeah. one he has to give us his in, his Mizzou sports a- analysis because we've just talked up his yeah. credentials, and uh, two he's going to have to tell <laughs> he's going to have to tell the yeah, story.
1: Are well known to the, the listener base now.
0: <laughs> that's right. Um. Yeah, it's it boggles the m- imagination. It's like I said. It's not just how poorly it was drawn. It's also the size. It's also the decision of when to do it and where to do it. And it's all just. I mean, let's just put it this way. Caleb has gone way down in my own estimation as far as intelligence is concerned. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I
1: think he's gone out of his own.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> as well. Sure, and certainly There's his wives. No.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the technology for tattoo renewal has come a long way, Brendan. So hopefully. I mean, it's on his ass. He's going to see that other than his wife. And, you know, they're newlyweds. She's pregnant. At some point, going to have a baby. I mean, he's been to the point where his wife's not going to want to see him naked yeah,
0: at all sure, anymore. Sure,
1: So, I mean, been there. it might not be worth spending the money yeah. to, uh, to get it removed. <laughs> truthfully.
0: I don't know much about tattoo removal, but I have to think that it doesn't just go back to your, like, maiden skin form. You know, like, it doesn't, like, disappear altogether, like you end up with a blob of scarred flesh that just isn't a horrible chili dog but it doesn't look Maybe like we can the day you were born about
1: what to cover it up with
0: yeah yeah that's right but and i don't know the 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 options when you have a what looks like a phallus covered in feces frankly next yeah. to your asshole the options for covering it up are pretty thin
1: we'll get him like have you considered like just turning it into something else like A Mm -hmm. Joe Rogan tattoo on your
0: ass, for instance, might be be nice. Sure, sure. There's lots of options. But, uh, Colin, I think it's time we sign off. We're going to come back, try to be coming back more regular and bringing back the regular features like Kansas News and like your voicemail soon. But we wanted to get this out there. The sports world in Missoula Land is thin right now, but we still have a lot of ass tattoo talk to bring your way. I don't know, Colin, I'm excited to uh, have the old pod studio fired back up again. Yeah,
1: I feel like we've been uh, sort of, since you've uh, had your baby stuff, we just haven't been able to uh, do any, have any consistency to this, but I feel like you're coming to the end of your baby woes.
0: Yep, Little Chase and, and Little uh, Daniel are doing good.
1: Th- yeah, and by the time football season rolls around, we'll be ready to go full tilt.
0: All right, yeah. So, all right, everybody, and give your prayers to Little Chase and Little Daniel and get him out of the hospital soon. Till then, M I Z.
1: We owe you. Come and be a tiger. Roar.